Gridbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com, for faith, fellowship, and love. G.K. Chesterton, C.S. Lewis, George MacDonald, J.R.R. Tolkien, and many more have taught us that fairy tales are not only for children. The psychologist Bruno Bettelheim said, Fairy tales represent an imaginative form what the process of healthy human development consists of. We tell stories to remind ourselves what life is really all about. It's about a beautiful struggle and a terrible quest. It is about all that is good and noble facing all that is dark and dangerous. G.K. Chesterton put it this way, Fairy tales do not tell the children that the dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children the dragons can be killed. Instead of talking about fairy tales, Father Dwight Longenecker would like to tell a few. Welcome to True Fairy Tales. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. This story is called The Toymaker. It's a story I wrote when I was a school chaplain many years ago. Once there was an old toy maker who lived in a rumbly, tumble-down house in the sad part of town. He was a very kind old man who loved children and loved to play games. The old-fashioned kind of games with cards and counters and questions and quizzes. He liked games with strange names like Parcheesi, Backgammon, Cribbage or Canasta. He liked old-fashioned games and he liked old-fashioned toys, but I'll tell you more about them shortly. The toymaker had eyes that twinkled when he laughed, a belly that seemed alive when he chuckled. His bald head was brown and round like an ancient mountain, and it was circled with a wild, fuzzy halo of hair. His wrinkled old face had a long, tawny beard and a huge white mustache that went up smiling at the corners. The toymaker's name was Gerald Patter. Gerald lived in the top floor of the old house in four small rooms where the servants used to live. It was the kind of house you'd like to see. Set back from the road, it had a wide front porch and a turret on the side. It had lots of chimneys and tall windows and a little castle-like tower at the top that you got to by climbing a narrow ladder in the attic. And when you got there, you could stand with a telescope and look out to the sea and watch the distant ships the size of toy boats sailing seaward. No one could remember how long Gerald had lived in the old house. The ancient crone, with the wart on her nose and the chin and nose that met, who worked behind the counter at the corner store, said he used to live in the whole house and owned property all over town. She said he was a once busy, active toy maker with lots of business, but over the years the community had gone downhill, and he had to sell off his property bit by bit, until he now lived alone with his toys on the top floor. What's more, she said, he's a selfish old Scrooge who never cares about anybody else. Why, he might as well just be dead of all the good he does. Best get on with the day's work. Double check your change and don't then forget about the old man. That part of the town really had gone downhill. The slum was full of dirt and litter. The school was closed and the playground was overgrown with weeds and full of broken glass and burnt out cars. The sky always seemed to be gray and full of drizzle, smoke, and nasty smells from the old canal. 
And there were empty factories with broken windows and boarded up houses full of rats and old mattresses. Anybody with get up and go had got up and gone long ago. But Gerald stayed, and he continued to live in the grand old house. If you crossed the porch, creaked open the door, and went up the grand old staircase to the first floor, and then up the winding staircase to the toy maker's four rooms above, the most wonderful sight would greet your eyes. Gerald liked candles and oil lamps, so the toy shop was always filled with a soft, flickering golden light. In the winter, he kept fires purring in the little fireplaces in the rooms. The large front room was the workroom, and off to the side was what Gerald called the showroom, where people would come to buy the toys, even though it had been a very long time since anyone ever came to buy his toys. There were two back rooms. One is where Gerald would cook and sit, and the other tiny room was where he slept. It was all very snug. Just the sort of place you'd like to drink hot chocolate and leaf through big, fat books with pictures and perhaps play parcheesi or cards. All the rooms were crammed from floor to ceiling with Gerald's marvelous creations. He made the kinds of toys children used to really love to play with. He made mechanical trains with real steam whistles, soft, lovely dolls with eyes that moved, and whole armies of tin soldiers and little ballerinas and lovable stuffed toys, bears and rabbits, elephants, donkeys and rag dolls. He made an Ali Pasha and a big blue genie. He made funny clowns and puppets, and a toy stage and a little circus for them to play on. He made clockwork toys that were painted bright colors and gliders that really flew. He made kites and bouncing balls and masks and hoops and little boats that you could really sail on the pond if you knew how. All the toys made the place come alive, and the whole shop was a magical place for anyone who was brave enough to visit. Of course, Gerald the toy maker didn't make any horrible toys with places to put batteries. He didn't make toys that burped and buzzed and beeped and had flashing lights. There were no skinny dolls and miniskirts or plastic playsets with guns. There were no frightening toys that turned into monsters. There were no rockets with blasters or aliens from outer space. Gerald only made toys that you could love and that you wanted to keep forever. The beautiful toys made the toy shop a beautiful place. But the real beauty came from the kindness and the quiet joy of the toy maker himself. But underneath it all, Gerald Patter was a little bit unhappy. He was unhappy because he was lonely. It had been ages since anyone had come to buy toys, and even longer since anyone had just dropped by to pay a visit and to chat and drink hot chocolate or play cribbage. Maybe in his old age he went a little bit strange, but he set about trying to make a toy that could talk to him and play games with him. So he worked long and late into the night until he would finally fall asleep at his workbench. And then at last, he devised a little toy soldier, about two feet high, who had a computer for a brain and could talk to him and play checkers. Gerald called the soldier Alexander the Great, or just Alex. Gerald Patter was so happy. But then he discovered that the little soldier could only say what Gerald wanted him to say because, of course, Gerald had made the computer brain as well. It was boring because it was like talking to yourself. So Gerald was lonelier than ever. To every question, he already knew the reply because he had programmed the reply. And before long, Gerald won every game of checkers because, of course, he'd programmed Alex how to play so he knew every move Alex would make ahead of time. 
So Gerald worked longer and later every night until an idea struck him. Just as the sun was coming up, he said to himself, What we need is a bit of magic. Yes, he said, that's what we need. We need a bit of magic. So he pulled out a ladder and he climbed up to the top shelves that went from floor to ceiling. The shelves were full of puppet parts and pieces of train track and pots of glue and paint. And right at the top, he took down a huge old book, as big and dusty and crusty as an old church Bible. And he struggled down the ladder with it as Alex looked on. The book was called Old Possum's Book of Practical Potions. For you may have figured out by now that Gerald was actually a kind of magician. The part of an old library that he'd been given to him by his old teacher, who was one of those magicians of the old school, the sort who wore pointed hats with stars on and had a very, very long beard and kept an owl for company and who was called Engelbert or Rumperdink the Green. Gerald's stubby old finger went down one column after another, and he licked his finger and turned the page and squinted through his little glasses in the lamplight until he found the spell he wanted. He muttered under his breath as he read the preparations and the potions and incantations, and all the time Alex sat on the corner of the table watching him with his bright blue eyes and always smiling face. Gerald looked up and said, This isn't going to be easy. Alex chirped. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Gerald scowled. I knew you were going to say that. The problem is, you're just like the tin man in that story. You haven't got a heart. And the only way for you to be truly my friend and love me is if you have a heart. Alex frowned. What is a heart? You see, said Gerald, you don't know what you don't know. Now here in this book, there is some deep magic which will give you some heart. And if you have a heart, then you will really be able to make a choice on your own. And that's what's important, because you can't really love me unless you choose to love me. So you've got to have some heart. And the only way round it is through it. Alex chirped. The only way round it is through it. I knew you were going to say that, said Gerald. Anyway, that night, in a very tender and costly bit of magic, the old man gave Alex a bit of his own heart. He read the ancient instructions and made up the special potion. Then he said the spells and drank the steaming liquid and ate the page from the book, because that's what the direction said. And as he did eat the pages of the book, they burned in his mouth like a hot ember. Suddenly, the old house trembled. The fires fizzled, flared and flamed. The window crashed open in a gust of wind, blowing all the candles out. The lamp spluttered and went out, and Gerald stood up and gasped and clutched his chest. Oh, oh, he said, and staggered to his room, and he collapsed on his bed and fell into a deep, deep sleep that lasted three days and three nights. When the sun came up on the third morning, the old man woke up and went out to the workshop to get a bowl of tea and a crust of bread. And what a sight met his eyes. Not only was Alex alive and happy, but so were all the toys. The tin soldiers were marching up and down in formation. The clowns were racing around on a toy train controlled by three big jolly teddy bears who were chuckling. Whoa, ho, 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 ho. Some of the dolls had brewed a pot of tea and were busy buttering some toast and they were chattering about the tin soldiers and how handsome they were. And all over the room, stuffed rabbits were giggling with the little squirrels, and mechanical birds sang real songs while ballerinas danced, and the Ali Pasha rode a train of elephants in a circus circle. 
Gerald Potter was so delighted that he laughed and rubbed his eyes and looked again. It was true. It was true. They could not only talk, and they were true, but they were truly alive. Soon Gerald had named them all, and they learned to love him and listen to his stories and laugh and tell jokes and sing songs with him. And then one spring day, not long after the night of deep magic, Gerald opened the window of the workshop. He turned to the toys and said, Little toys, today I must open the window, for the sun is shining and the air is warm. The sunlight is better than the firelight, and the fresh air will do us good. But you must all be very careful not to go near the window, because one gust of wind will blow you out and you will be gone. He looked out the window at the slum below and the nasty, overgrown garden with the burnt-out cars and the broken bottles. Then he turned away sadly. The toys listened carefully to Gerald and never went near the window. But then one warm summer day, when Gerald was in the next room, one of the tin soldiers said to the teddy bear, Look, I'll just climb up on your back and, and just take a peek outside the window to see what it's like. The other toys warned him, but he did it anyway. And as soon as he was on the edge, looking out, he lost his balance, and out he went, fell out the window with a scream of terror. The other toys looked at each other with a look of surprise. They thought it was a scream of delight and happiness and fun, because they'd never known a scream of terror before. And as quick as they could, the other soldiers climbed up on the bear's back and began to leap out the window one by one. Just then Gerald came back into the room and saw what was happening. No, no, he cried, stop, stop. You'll never be able to get back in again, and you'll hurt yourselves if you fall. But it was too late. The old toy maker knew that all the happiness was over. He realized that all the toys would now want the new experience, which they were already talking of in glowing terms. He heard them whispering to one another, Have you had the free fall yet? It sounds so exciting. When they're crying out, they're so delighted and happy. He also heard them whispering against him. Gerald listened as the three bears growled and grumbled. Who does he think he is anyway? They said. He knows what fun is, but he won't let us do it. He's not very kind, is he? He's just a spoil sport, squeaked one of the rabbits. One of the ballerinas whispered to her friends, The reason the soldiers haven't come back is because they're happier where they are now. They're having far more fun than we are because we're cooped up in this little dark apartment all the time. Ali Pasha was the leader of the rebellion. He stood on the back of one of the elephants and said, This better fellow seems kind, but he is wicked. We have seen that now. His name means patter, and a person who pats someone on the head is, seems kind but this is just a way to smack them down and keep them in place. If I were you, I would not stay in this prison one moment longer. Ali Pasha would lead the toys to the window and say, Jump! Jump for freedom! Gerald knew there was nothing he could do. There was no convincing anyone by argument once they believe you're wrong. He couldn't close the window because they'd only break it to jump out. And if he locked the door to the toy room, it would only confirm in their minds what they already believed, that he was a cruel prison warden, that he was keeping them trapped there, that they didn't have freedom. However, after a few days' thought, Gerald came up with a plan. He went to his bedroom, and the toys heard him running the water and rumbling around, and when he emerged, they hardly recognized him. He'd shaved off his long beard. 
He'd cut his hair short, and he put on a soldier's uniform. The toys gasped. He suddenly looked so young and brave. It must have been another kind of magic he was doing. Why, he looked young enough to be his own son, and in his dress uniform and helmet, and with a shiny sword at his side, he looked like one of the soldiers, except full-grown. And then with a spring in his step, Gerald ran down the stairs and across the porch into the overgrown yard and picked up all of the fallen soldiers and the broken toys. As he did, he was crying over their injuries. Why would you do such a thing, he said to himself. Oh, why would you do such a thing? He wondered what to do next, and he asked the soldiers if they wanted to be taken back to the workshop. And to his surprise, they said, No, we may have injured ourselves in the fall, Gerald, but if we went back, it wouldn't be the same. We made our choice. We'd better stay here. Yes, another retorted, We'd rather be free down here. We've been talking a bit and realized that you were keeping us prisoners up there just for your own pleasure. Well then, said Gerald, it's not really true, but... Perhaps what I'll do is I'll stay here with you. So he did. He helped them build a little house to live in, and he cleared up the garden. And all the time he kept looking up to the window, and when another toy came to the edge, the old man held out his arms wide and called for them to jump. Jump, jump if you must, he said, but I will catch you. And as they jumped, they jumped into his outspread arms, and one by one they came until there were no more toys in the workshop at all. Their life in the grubby garden wasn't very good to start with, but they worked together and the deep magic the toy maker had gone through to give them a heart began to grow like a seed that was planted. Eventually, they grew into real boys and girls. The teddy bears became chubby football players and the rabbits became speedy little messengers running in track and field. The elephants became wise, strong doctors and the clowns became priests. The ballerinas grew into beautiful girls, and the soldiers grew into fine, handsome young men. Everyone in the town was surprised at the old toy maker's reappearance, and seemed happy when he and his family of orphans, as he called them, moved back into the main part of the house and started to fix it up. Even the old crone at the corner store said, Well, who would have believed it? The old fellow was busy all along. And you know, there's talk that some other folks are thinking of moving back into this part of town. But I expect it'll come to nothing. It will all fizzle out. But she was wrong. More people did move in, and more children came to live in Gerald Potter's house. A nice woman, who was as wise and gentle as a dove, moved in to help, and before long his house was full, and the neighboring houses had their windows repaired, and their gutters fixed, and new roofs put on, and their gardens trimmed, and everything was looking spick and span. The school was opened up, and the playground was cleaned, and the children all had a school to go to. And you know how the story ends. Everyone, even the old crone at the corner shop, lived happily ever after. Except, she said once in a while, it's all well and good that business is picking up, but I expect it won't last. And make sure you double-check your change. True fairy tales are made possible by the generosity of the donor subscribers of Father Longenecker's award-winning blog, Standing on My Head. Go to the blog to read regular blog posts, browse his books, and listen to more podcast stories, homilies, podcast fiction, and more. Just go to DwightLongenecker.com. That's DwightLongenecker.com. Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. 
have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at woodhillcommunitycenter.org. Toyota in Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit toyotaonnicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington, home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at lexusoflexington.com.